This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ, what's up? What's going on, Cooper? We are back. Uh, we had a great guest. We have a great guest today, Alex Weld. She's the executive director of Generation West Virginia. And uh, I don't know, man, we always tend to have good conversations with people, but this one felt particularly good. We, we A lot of good subjects of the work that they do and her professional journey. And she's a, a passionate lady about the work she does in West Virginia. Anytime somebody gets like fired up, gets on a roll, can talk, you know, a couple minutes without stopping and is just going, going, you can tell like there is this level of passion that they have for what they do that, you know, just brings them this internal joy. And that is exactly what Alex has for Generation West Virginia, as she should. I mean, they do some incredible Mm -hmm. work across West Virginia um you know in several varieties and several areas and we kind of dive into some of the specifics of what they do in the episode um but they are trying to change people's lives for the better and bring young people to the state uh enhance their those people's um love for west virginia and help build the sense of community for people and expand broadband i mean they they really are doing like a ton of stuff and alex is just you can tell with every word that she rattles off it's just filled with this uh, fire that she has that she really loves what she's doing and she can even tell that she is helping people and you know when when you know that you're doing some good work then you're, you're going to keep doing it for as long as you can. And so it's just awesome to see her just fired up about what she's doing. Generation West Virginia, stick around for that interview. We do have, as always, a lot of stuff going on here at Mountaineer Media. Let's talk about the classic, guys. The classic is open. Uh, uh, let's see, Logan and Andrew and I actually were up in Canaan Valley last. Is that just last freaking weekend? Today's the 24th. Oh, my gosh, yeah um yeah last weekend i was in canane valley we scoped it out we're looking where are we going to put this where are we going to do that so if you go to mountaineermedia.org right now you can enter your team or friday night tickets as we always like to clarify if you're not a golfer that's fine not all of us are golfers i certainly uh am super pumped about the golf, golf side of it but friday night you can come to it you can network you can meet fellow west virginians you can grow your platform your business your organization you buy a ticket uh, we're going to have West Virginia Craft Beer. Uh, Brad Smith, the president of Marshall University, is going to be beside CJ and I. And it's going to be a fun night. And you can get tickets right now. So we hope to see you there. Yeah. Can't miss the classic. Yeah, teams are filling up. Um, you know, jump on it. You know, people want to talk about that they're going to be there, going to be there. It's like, then sign up. Buy the ticket. Yeah. Buy the these ticket. are going to go faster than you think. You know, it, it, Cooper mentioned that we are several months out from this you know we're not even in 2023 yet but these are going to go fast so if you want to participate if you want to be a part of this annual event this this kickoff event um then absolutely lock in your ticket now for either friday or the golf package on saturday this is truly going to be something that you don't want to miss so don't wait don't wait any longer don't wait Mm -hmm. any longer jump in there lock everything in lock friday night lock saturday in and you know be a part of what should be uh the the 
best event that Mountaineer Media's thrown yet. I mean, granted, this is unlike any, this is exponentially bigger than anything we've ever done before, but this is going to mm-hmm. be just like one of those events that you're going to be thinking about for several years after that. At least we think. We're building it up to be that, and we have the the people and the places and everything in place to do that. So if you're mm-hmm. getting fired up about it, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Go lock in right now. And yeah, let's let's have some fun in, in 2023. Because this is just getting you know a little bit bigger by the day. So. Mm-hmm. And the, the town of, of Davis and Thomas, West Virginia, look, guys, this event we think is going to help them tremendously. I mean, we're going to have two or three hundred people um, in that in that town throughout that um, over the weekend. So, you know, shop at West Virginia Small Businesses. I actually was plucked off the street by my good friend, um, Robbie, who runs McClumsy. Let me pull up his website. And we decided to do a this giveaway. Kind of a funny story. <laughs> I should, let me, let me pull it up here. So I'd make sure I get all the, the details. So, accurate. so he recognized you. What did he say specifically from Mountaineer Media, TikTok or LinkedIn? What was like, how did he specifically recognize you? So I'm walking down the street and yeah, I'm on Thomas. I just went to a coffee shop, tip top coffee shop. And I got a little start to my day, um, had a little coffee and I'm walking up. And if you know, Thomas, you know, it's basically uh, you know, a one street town, if you will, but actually in Robbie would, uh, he wants to make sure this is clear. It's actually a two streets town. So Spruce street, I believe is the street above it. His shop is located on that. So you're in Thomas. I'm walking up these steep, steep stairs. I'm going up there. Quite honestly, I'm a little bit tired. I'm out of breath. I have a bunch of stuff. I'm overdressed. I want it to be fall. It's not quite fall, so I'm wearing like too many layers. And then Robbie's like, <laughs> You're starting from, to sweat. <laughs> starting to sweat. I'm a little tired. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, just get my car. I had this muffin in my pocket. Um, so he's like, Cooper from Mountaineer Media. I'm like, what the hell? And then there's Robbie, the owner of McClumsy, West Virginia apparel store. It used to be the Canaan Valley Running Club. This guy's a mover and shaker. His LinkedIn says stuff doer at McClumsy. Um, <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. He was closed, but he just invited me in and said, come on in, man. Like uh, we, 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 and two, We've interacted on social media a few times back and forth. We just we struck up a conversation about his work and, you know, Thomas and our event. And he, you know, it's so cool for that time of the year um, for, for us to do this event, he said, for the small businesses. But then I was like, hey, man, like, we like to do West Virginia small business giveaways. Like, well, let's do something. He was all about it. So he hooked us up with uh, some of his gear. So we're doing a giveaway. So long story short, if you go to mountaineermedia.org, you know the home base for everything. Go to the giveaway tab. All you got to do is give us your name in your email. We're not going to spam you or sell your data. We are going to send you updates about other cool West Virginia projects and ideas and podcasts and stuff. But you sign up and then on after um, November 4th, we're going to give away a cool Tucker County hat. It's like a beautiful illustration. And then CJ, the water bottle is super high quality. It's one of those big like hydro flasks. I think it's like 24 ounces and you're going to win both of them if we select you on that giveaway. So support a small business and you might walk away with a cool little bundle. It's mango colored. You don't hear about mango too many colors. mango colored objects. So mm-hmm. yeah, the hat's sweet. The bottle's awesome too. Go sign up for that right now. Quick update before we get to the episode. This has been one of the best falls in West Virginia's history. Go out, go see some fall foliage. It's still in October at the time that we're taping this. 
It's not too late. The foliage in most of West Virginia will have fallen off by like the first or second week of November, like the real, really good stuff, but it's not too late. So go out and go see it. This is even the department of tourism said it's like the best in the decade. I I'm serious. This is one of the best falls I've ever seen living my entire life in West Virginia. In large part, I think it's because of all the rain that we got over the summer. It was it was the wettest summer mm-hmm. on record in West Virginia's history, and I think that is a huge reason why this fall has been so brilliant, colorful, and long-lasting. There's just been a lot of water in the ground and so and not not a lot of like super cold fronts we haven't had a huge winter storm whip through and and knock off all these leaves so it has just been the perfect blend of wet spring summer and a dry mild fall to begin with for these perfect perfect uh orange red yellow gold uh, blends leaf that we're seeing right now. Those leaf you know, peepers. Those, those I've leaf been around, peepers. man. I, I've, I've really tried to I've peeped some. Yeah, we, see as yeah. much as, as you can. So. Well, you were Bridge Day. Give, give us a quick little rundown of Bridge Day. Yeah, Bridge Day was cool. I think I thought I did that in the last episode. Oh, did we? No. Yeah, maybe not. Because Bridge just Day last was the same weekend? time that you were in the in yeah. Kane. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we did the update. Remember, we talked about Bridge Day in the, the okay. update. Um, But yeah, yeah, Bridge Day was great. And the Gorge was awesome. Yeah, we had a full day. We walked out on the bridge and we did a long point trail. So we saw bridge day from two different sides. We saw it on the bridge and then we watched people jump off the bridge from long point trail, which is like where the rock is um, on the side of the mountain facing the bridge. So it was very cool. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. Then we went to Babcock and that was uh, very, very picturesque. So not too late. States, Go out, hit the state parks. Booming. Boom and boom and Jessica Riggins, she's got a blog up, Blackwater Falls Comprehensive Guide. That's right where I was in Davis. If you're going to the Classic, you can go to this too, but she's got a comprehensive guide. Go check that out. Um, and we'll continue to tease it. We're not quite ready to announce another strategic partnership of Mountaineer Media, but we are partnering with a very uh, influential and awesome merch creator designer uh company in west virginia um and stay on the outlook for that it's gonna be a lot of cool stuff and reward you guys for listening to the mountaineer media podcast and being a passionate west virginian so stay tuned on that but let's get to this week's interview right now with alex on the mountaineer media podcast does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Alex, welcome to the Mountaineer Media Podcast yourself. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. CJ, what's up, man? Yep. Yep. I'm here. Glad to be here. Alex, we're meeting in an evening. Um this week which is very rare for us most of the time we're doing these morning episodes so thank you for extending your day just a little bit longer to come hang out with us and uh talk about what you guys are doing at generation west virginia yeah i see you all all over so i'm excited to be here regardless of the hour of the day you guys are doing some cool stuff too so thanks i like Uh, to think about that that's an interesting take i'm railroading this by all means but mountaineer media morning Noon and night, or 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 morning episodes of the podcast, and then when you throw on TikTok, we're on TikTok too. So we're we're all over the place. That's uh, <laughs> that's I'm a fan. yeah, good to know. Well, anyway, thank you. Well, I mean, I've I've we've been a little bit, 
you know, I've been following, I guess now for closely for several months, shout out to Olivia that's on your team. She's uh, been very instrumental helping us get this up and running. And I've just kind of been paying a lot closer attention over the last couple of months because we kind of got linked up with you guys personally. Um, so I'm very, you know, I feel like I've got a good understanding, but for our listeners, maybe give us a, an overview exactly what is Generation West Virginia? Yeah, uh, we are a statewide nonprofit, um, and our mission is to attract, retain, and advance young people in the Mountain State. So um, for us, you know, that means a lot of things, but we really focus on a lot of workforce development, supporting young people and finding a path here in the state, connecting them to good jobs, connecting them to other young people, um, helping them like advance in their careers, and also supporting um, them in their community life, you know, what your job's a good part of your life. And then the rest of it is, is where, you know, you choose where you want to live these days. You can pretty much live anywhere because a lot of jobs are remote. So trying to make West Virginia an even better place for young people to live too. I think part of attracting young, a talented young, not just a workforce, but just a, a young population is like this generation more now than ever doesn't want to work that traditional nine to five either. They want to be able to spend their evenings doing something downtown, going out and about. So West Virginia is like, there's a lot on West Virginia's plate right now, right? It, you don't, you want younger people to come into the state, but at the same time, you have to have the infrastructure of things to do, places to go to keep those young people so and keep them entertained and happy and healthy, right? So I'm sure that's part of the challenges that you guys kind of keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, you, know, the, you have these big population centers in the state where I think a lot of the, those uh, community development needs are, they're, they're they're great. There some really great communities around the state. Some of the smaller areas, you know, we're we do a lot of even broadband work, writing broadband mm -hmm. grants for communities because, um, you know, some people like peace and quiet, and like to live remotely, and like to be sure. um, like kind of in the wilderness, but they often don't have internet access to do that. So, um, yeah, we're kind of thinking about that community development side. What does that livability lens look like for people? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think about it, like you, we go through life, we're in school, like, you know, CJ and I went to high school together. We see each other every single day. We're at soccer practice every single day. We go up to WU. We live together. We go out together. And then all of a sudden you become. Are you adult. getting sick of me, Cooper? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> spend a lot of time with each other so we know each other well but but then then you become a professional and then it's all of a sudden like well now you're just on your own now you just got to like figure out life and your work and your professional network and your community so it's like you guys feel like you fill that gap of like maybe that that after college like you know background like hey these are your people your community your peers to plug into new opportunities so it's not necessarily a in, from my understanding a, a transient organization where you're in and you're out kind of feels like if you get involved with it you can stay involved with it is that accurate it is. Yeah. You know, I always think of um, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I was working for a health insurance company, which was a great it was a great job. And, um, you know, the cubicles around me were people that weren't really in my demographic. And then I'd come back to my small town of Wellsburg and um, most of my neighbors are, you know, older with a very aging population in the state, of course, and in this community, especially, too. And, um, you know, I remember that feeling of geez, is this, this it, you know, like, right. is this what I want out of my life that I have a fulfilling job, but I didn't feel like I was given it, you know, wasn't as exciting as I'd have loved. And then I come home and I'm just like, geez, you know, so right. it, we often hear that from people that if they don't feel like they have the, the peer network and the, um, the feeling of potential growth and finding more and doing more that that's when people leave that's what like really flips that switch for people mm -hmm. and so we really hope to kind of be that 
organization that comes in and says like, actually there is more here. There are other people mm-hmm. who feel like you let's build this together. Um, and you know, it's a program, like some of our stuff, it's a program, right? So it's like a right. month program or a year long program, but post that program, like you are surrounded by peers and a peer network, um, for as long as you want them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm camaraderie goes a long way i mean it feels good to be you know it feels good to be on a team right it felt like you you know you go to war with those people in your sports teams it feels like oh yeah we're doing this together like i think it, it translates over into professional where like you want to know that like you're with a tribe of people kind of like a, a human instinct that hey we're trying to tackle this problem that's kind of a innate human urge to kind of want that community if you will yeah it's like this um I don't know. I sometimes feel like we have this like underdog mentality and I kind of like to lean into it a little bit. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel like that, you know, it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel like you Mm -hmm. can do more and we can be more. And, um, it's easy. You know, I'm kind of speaking personally here, but like, sometimes it, you could say like, it feels easier maybe to like go somewhere where all that's done. Right. And you can just jump into a place where there's a bunch of stuff happening, a bunch of young people. There are all these like big companies where, um, you know, they have all of these like additional amenities and additional groups. So if you're a young person looking to advance, you can like be a part of this committee and do that. And, um, you know, we don't always have that stuff in our communities, in our workplaces. And it's like, well, we're going to, we're going to get together and, and build it. Like that's right. Build like, the damn thing. Yeah, we sure. have, we have the opportunity to do that here, which that's a cool thing about West Virginia and a lot of these bigger states and bigger, um, you know, like, population centers you you can't you can't get in there and make change like you can here which is cool yeah well we all have the ability to do that now in west virginia right it didn't feel like for a long time that anybody could just come to west virginia start a pop-up and then it would just be successful internet or you know brick and mortar but now it does feel like that there are more things in place to um, provide success for people that do want to come into West Virginia and just say, Hey, I'm going to try this, or we're just going to do something new. And the ceiling all of a sudden seems like it's a lot higher for, to, to be able to succeed. I mean, it's yeah, like I what mean, you guys at, are doing and what we're doing. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, what, what y'all are doing, right? Like who would have thought, but I mean, I think it does speak to who we are as West Virginians. Very um, we were traveling with friends from Ohio, my husband and I, and we saw somebody with, with a West Virginia shirt on and we like lost our minds and they, yeah. our friends were so confused. They're <laughs> like, well, I get it. <laughs> why is that yeah. cool? We're like, cause they're from West Virginia, but they were from Ohio. They're like, we don't get it. Um, I don't know if it's unique to West Virginia. It feels like it. It feels like there's this like pride and uh, you know, like you feel really represented um, differently here. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, people like in like Montana, like they're you're also from Montana. Like I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that actually happened. Question. <laughs> which so, I got to ask. So, you, so you're from Wellsburg, which I believe is the near the tippy top of the Northern Panhandle. Do you say y'all or yens? Oh boy. Um, well, I typically don't say either one of those, but <laughs> okay. um, I'll say you all sometimes. But okay. um, I will say I have family members who will go unnamed who do say yens. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some yinzers in this region of the state for sure. Um, y'all is not not one we hear up here too much. Yeah, yeah, is- that's funny. I just had my grandmother's from the Wheeling Moundsville area, and I noticed that like, and maybe it's a little bit generational too, but they definitely yins is like the replacement of y'all, y'all up there. Right? Maybe it's like a Pittsburgh kind of Polish kind of thing up in that area of the state. But just curious to put you on the spot there for sure. Yeah, that's like a Pittsburghese thing. I feel like too up here in this it region. Is. Yep. Yeah, Um, that is a it's an interesting part of the state, right? Because it does feel like there's a little bit of the northern panhandle that kind of bleeds into that, uh, maybe a little bit of the Pittsburgh mindset or or the Pennsylvania 
kind of it does bleed into the the northern panhandle just a little bit um i think you see that in other parts too like even in the eastern panhandle you know kind of it's a little more maryland like uh, you know and, and so uh i don't I, the northern panhandle a lot of my family came from the northern panhandle so i just that's kind of where my heart is too um yeah yeah i um i live right um like you can see the Ohio River from my window mm-hmm. here. So we're right near Ohio and yeah, just like 15 minutes away from Pennsylvania too. So, I mean, it's, it's cool, right? It's nice being in this little, this little um, area where you can kind of experience those three States, but, and also I think it's funny that sometimes, you know, we're running the statewide organization and um, I feel like, Hey, you know, we're up here in the North Panhandle. We kind of get forgotten about every once in a while up here in the, the tippy top of the state. So I like to, yeah west virginia is sneaky it's sneaky big man i mean like from the eastern panhandle from like huntington is like a six and a half seven hour drive right i mean then from the northern panhandle if you started where you're from and drove all the way down to like you know mingo county logan county like that's that's i don't know that's probably four and a half hours so like i mean it, it definitely um yeah i mean it definitely i guess those regional factors are at play and that's something i think that maybe a perfect segue into the the work that you all do kind of like the big headline out of the last month generation west virginia is a part of a 62 million dollar act now coalition grant it's basically all that you speak of it on it obviously but it's economic revitalization uh around climate technologies and a lot of that is going to impact southern west virginia another region of west virginia that sometimes feels like hey guys remember we're down here you know we're not the w's of the world but we're still down here we're still west virginians talk to us about that how did that come about and how you know how rewarding and massive is that grant for you guys yeah geez um so i was onboarding to this job right when these discussions were happening um, oh, wow. <laughs> a bunch of other really great nonprofit leaders from around the state uh were in preliminary discussions like should we go for this big grant what would that look like if we all came together and did it and so um i was lucky enough to be in those conversations from the beginning and um okay. It was so, God, it was so fortuitous and so cool. And also um, helped me build relationships and make these cool connections with peers that I, it would have taken me years because we're all in our work, right? We're just like, have our heads down, doing the work. And sometimes it's too hard. You don't have the capacity to think about how can we partner and how can we, um, you know, think about one program that feeds into another across a different organization or whatever. And so this really gave us the opportunity to do that. So we ended up, saying, you know, like, yep, we're, we're in it. We see the potential here. And we led, there are eight component projects across the a coalition and we are leading the workforce development piece. Okay. Um, so really, again, like, is our mission, right? Attracting, retaining, advancing mm-hmm. um, is the bread and butter of that. So WVU, um, the Marshall, corpor- like the Marshall Corporation side of Marshall's part of it, um, High Rocks and Coalfield Development, um, are the core partners within our project. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, like the entire Act Now Coalition, which is run by Coalfield Development, has, I don't know, 30 or 40 partners um, in the entire thing. So, but yeah, all in all, it's just the craziest thing. There were over 500 um, applicants and yes. they were just like, oh, we'll throw a hat in the ring and see. Like The application itself took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of meetings and planning and design wow. and um, just to be able to submit the application was cool. And to get, the, we got phase one funding, which is a small amount of funding just to keep the work going. And we all said, even if we don't get this, you know, big influx, we, we now have clearer ways to work together and we know we've right. got this going. So, um, even that to me, I was really proud to be a part of, and I felt very lucky to be a part of. So this yeah. will be pretty transformational. 
well, it's like $15 million, right? Yeah. So the whole, well, act I, that's pretty transformational. Now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the whole, the whole act now coalition is 62.5 million. And that's right. all coming then, to West Virginia, right? The act now coalition. Which, yeah. 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 And then we, then the workforce piece is 15 and that's again, split between all the partners mm -hmm. over four years. Um, but you know, it really will support the programs. Not like none of it's new. It's just, we're able to do more and we're able to be more effective together in ways we couldn't. So we're doing like um, our tech training program. We're able to expand that. Um, our fellowship program which really supposed focuses on retention and um, you know, helping people kind of further their careers. We can, we can expand that. Um, we're doing work on like career placement stuff. So it's just, let's just help us kind of grow this work and build it uh, collaboratively in a way we, we just couldn't have before. What are, are there certain like employers involved or like, what is like, um, is there like industry plans to like build like manufacturing stuff? Like what, is, what are we like attracting these young people to work in the Southern part of the state? Is it, any, is it specific industries or is it kind of just more of a broad sense of like the educational tools around like career planning and that sort of thing? Yeah. So some of the pieces, um, so there's a, there's a food hub that's part of it that's in Charleston. That's not our project, but that piece has like specific industry um, support. And there's like a mine lands one transforming okay. abandoned mine lands um, into, you know, putting them back into productive reuse, specifically focusing on like the tourism economy. And so yeah. um, a lot of that of course has workforce needs. Our focus is really is in tech. Right. And so um, we think about like, when you think of like, cl like climate, you think of green jobs. And when that's a that's a broad net, actually, because um, anything that's not really an extractive job mm -hmm. can can be a green job, right? It's a post extraction economy job. And so for us, we're really thinking about, you know, if if people grew up in specific areas, especially in the southern part of the state, where a lot of these areas were the, the communities were built around the Old industry, dense. the other right. way around. You know? And so now that the industry has all but left or, or left some of these areas, um, what is there for these communities? And unfortunately, the infrastructure is not great in a lot of a lot of these towns. It's hard to get there. We were just talking about that. Like it's not you just jump on the interstate um, and be in Boone County easily. And so, really thinking about how do we, what is this, what does it look like for the people that live there to have um, a new fulfilling career? And for us, one of our main focuses is the, the tech industry because uh, you can do it from home typically, right? People can can work from home, and um, our training program is free. And it's paid. Um, there's a needs-based living stipend now. We're just we've just launched that, um, and so people can really start to live in a community they want to live in and support their families and grow um, without depending on you know trying to attract another flagship company. Yeah, which is which is difficult because it's difficult to like, and it's also not. I don't think wise to think that like one savior company is going to come yeah. in and like fix the region because I mean at most it's going to employ a thousand people and it, maybe the jobs are half of them are permanent and then it's like fizzles out so I think those sometimes those those headlines get big news but it's but then it's like what's the residual effect of it but like the training the implementation all of that stuff that stays with it maybe could be more long-term impactful and I think it all all roads lead back all country roads lead back to broadband access wi-fi access and I'm looking at the blog right now like you got 19 million dollar grant for Mingo County Logan County internet access how i mean we've asked every damn near everybody on the podcast like what's your angle on getting broadband you know getting parts of the state onto high speed high quality internet to be able to track remote work and be able to you know do these different you know 21st century daily life activities now the world is on the internet 
is obviously that's still a barrier. What are some of the things maybe that's exciting or optimistic that you're seeing with progress on that front? Uh, getting because I mean, if you're working in tech, the internet is part of it. I'm assuming. So it's like how how is that progressing for you all? Yeah. So that that press release of that 19 million, we're now at uh, I think it's 48 million. We've gotten 48 million dollars wow. um, in that's funding awesome. for for communities around the state. Um, yeah, I mean, the money is there. The problem is the barriers to get that funding is they're really high. It's hard to write a federal grant, especially for something so technical like broadband, um, right. where you've got to understand like usage rate and speeds and um, uh, there's an engineer involved. Like, it's so, so, so complex. So uh, we have partnered with Benidum, Benidum Foundation. Um, uh, and this was a few years ago where we launched this program and it's really just like accelerated. But we we worked to kind of identify all of the federal funding opportunities around um, broadband infrastructure um, okay. grants. And then and then how can we then go? We we bring in an engineer, we bring in a grant writer, um, we bring in someone who really understands like the community landscape. And we just go in and say, do you want to apply for this grant funding? Yeah. Um if you do, here's what we can do for you. And here we can answer the question. Like a lot of communities are concerned about applying, like they own the infrastructure. What does that mean? And, you know, we want to kind of explain that, explain like, it's not, you know, it's not like you're going to be billing people for broadband and stuff like that. It's, it's very sure. different. So, yeah. yeah, it's really great. We're expanding that program actually. Um, soon we'll be hiring a full-time broadband coordinator to continue that work because we see um, that while broadband infrastructure is expanding in the state, the level of usage in the state, people actually accessing broadband and having internet isn't going up um, as high as we'd like. So yeah. um, we're seeing people, you know, there's some there's some access issues, there's some affordability issues, and we want to connect people to the right resources. So so it can go up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I'll tell you what, there, there are parts of the state that it is absolutely working. I was in Richwood, West Virginia, which is deep in Nicholas County, about 40 miles beyond Summersville. And just using the LTE service from there. I mean, it was just the broadband access. It was, uh, you know, like 40 download, 40 upload. I mean, it was impressive, just like out kind of in the wild, you know, that uh, there are places that are getting on the grid. And, you know, that, that in itself is just very impressive for a place that, you know, is kind of lost and really unknown to a lot of people in West Virginia. Um, and I think I saw like a, a week or two ago, like the WVU and Marshall Extension Services are growing and they're going to start adding um, parts of their like extension services offices or, or, or maybe just extra people. I'm getting the story mixed up, but they're helping these smaller communities with grant writing. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole goal of that. Of, of their new program is to help get these communities, um, you know, uh, give them the opportunity to, to write these grants. Because you're right, it is complicated and complex. And if you have no idea what you're doing, it is going to be just very aggravating and mind numbing to, to try and even start it. But that could be, uh, like, it sounds like you at least agree a little bit, that could be the key to accessing, you know, major future success. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love that they're doing that, and I've spoken to some of the folks that are behind that effort. And I, um, you know, I volunteer on some things in my community, and I always say I use my community as an example that like if there was an EDA grant available in my small town, I bet most of the people on our I don't know pick a board of whatever in in our town wouldn't know what EDA stands for, right? Like it just feels so right. we the capacity everyone is focused on the thing at hand and no one's able to 
you know, have the time or capacity or staff members to think about a federal grant. How do you even apply for it or use it? So I'm optimistic. And I think that the level of support that these communities need will like far, far exceed the capacity that WVU and Marshall are um, able to able to provide at first. I hope so much that they keep scaling that program. Um, and yeah, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for that type of work. Yeah, let me not try and explain something that I don't know that you clearly are very insightful about. <laughs> no, I'm so happy you brought it up because you're exactly right, though. No, like that is exactly what has to happen because all this for years, West Virginia, um, all the federal money has come out and West Virginia has historically not applied for the money. Yeah. And it's because no one has the capacity to do it. Right. And like, that's what's right. so sad is that sometimes this federal money will will pop up because they see the need. But the disconnect is accessing it and to I do think, with it and then implementing yeah, it. Finally, yeah. we're starting to see like, OK, there might be um, a stream for people to be able to access it. That's why this broadband thing felt so important. Yeah. All this broadband money was happening. And West Virginia is like at the bottom of the list on usage or um, infrastructure. And we weren't getting any of the money. And so well, we're really we've got to step this up. Well, the good point of us and us, we like to have people experts on here and ask questions that, you know, possibly are, are stupid questions, but it's like, we, I always think like, who is like the authority, like say you're a small town in Southern West Virginia or the private companies or who, and you apply for a grant like this, and maybe you do get some money awarded for the internet access, but like who oversees that is like, or, you know, is it the internet companies, private companies, like the, you know, like uh, Frontier and Sunlink who have catched their grief, even just around Charleston. My parents' house in Charleston, West Virginia has terrible internet. We've, you know, the bills are always changing and we're frustrated and no one knows what to do. Like, but like who is a person, an entity, a group, like who ultimately is the answer person for the small town communities on when it comes to like broadband and internet access? Like, I think like, like, does that make, does that question make sense? Cause it feels like West Virginians, and maybe we should just have more of these public conversations that are tend to be nuanced, because I think a lot of people just default to just, quite honestly, human nature, just complaining, oh, the internet sucks, oh, it's not working. But like, maybe if just continued community conversations, it allows us to understand the pathway to improvement, and then your average citizen can, can then act accordingly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I wish there was an easy answer to even that question. I'll say that it depends on the grant. So there are some grants that the community, so typically the counties, um, the regional planning commissions, um, okay. which it depends on where you live. If it's like a couple, you know, usually they span a couple of counties. Um, they are typically the ones that have the skill sets or the, the uh, capacity, I guess, to start thinking about broadband access. And they are typically the ones that like, we will work with them to write the broadband grants. Okay. Um, now, sometimes though, and, and I'm not as familiar with this piece, but the state now has a program where the you can partner with a broadband provider mm -hmm. and write the grant. The broadband provider can be a recipient of the funding to help cut down their cost on, on the infrastructure piece too. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So several but hands. Yeah. Several, yeah, and it just depends on the grant opportunity. Like some of it goes through the state broadband office, um, some of it's still at like different federal offices. Um, I guess the easiest thing to say is if someone's interested in broadband deployment, talk to your local regional planning commission, and if they want to know more information or want support, we can help them. Yeah, it's a complex problem. I mean, if it involves the federal government, the complexity of that, private companies, citizens, county commissions, I mean by nature you just list those you know those groups right there it's going to be it's going to then throw in the geographical challenges of west virginia i mean it's a complex problem but it's obviously worth solving because it impacts every facet of american life now with the internet so i mean 
Um, no, no, no clean, short, good answer, but you're right. I mean, it is, um, maybe the only thing we do is keep talking about it. Maybe hopefully that leads to informing more people. Absolutely. Yeah. When you, you said you were in your early twenties doing, was it insurance? Was it health insurance or? Yeah. Marketing for health insurance. Yeah. Marketing for health insurance. And now you're the executive director of generation West Virginia. Do you feel a level of fulfillment? that you did not previously have that you earlier in this conversation, you said you were just getting home. Something was missing. Something was missing. Do you feel like that piece has been found? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I uh, went from that job um, to a marketing opportunity at an organization called Wheeling Heritage. Um, it's a national heritage area with, uh, you know, focused on community revitalization Um uh, historic preservation and reuse and just was a really cool organization. And I thought, oh, I remember reading the job description to my husband and I said, if this is what it sounds like, this is like, like this is everything I want to do. You know, this is exactly what I was looking for. And so I thought, oh, we'll see, you know, I don't know. And so, and, yeah, it ended up working out and I now have a complete different sense of just life. Like I just have a complete different yeah. sense of fulfillment and um, what I want to get out of um, my life. And I've always felt like, you know, when you go somewhere outside of the state and someone says, oh, West Virginia, like I have friends in Richmond and we're like, no, that's not the right <laughs> state, right? Like you, you always feel like this ambassador of the state and you're this, and I, I feel that so deeply. And so um, I, I finally remember working for like this nonprofit and thinking, oh, like I, get to go to work and think like that. And that's part of my job now. And so, yeah, that from that piece, working, working for that organization um, and then, you know, like moving up into that, in that organization and then finding generation West Virginia, which I knew about generation for, for years, but um, yeah, it's always just, I can't put even put into words just how much it's changed my life trajectory. Like, I don't know if I, Right. We talk about it's easy to like complain, right? It's easy to complain if right. something's not going well. And I thought like I I like the underdog mentality because it means you can get in and do something about it. And yeah. if you're not doing anything about it, it's painful. It's painful to be in that space. And now that I feel like I'm doing something about it or like really trying to, um, it's very fulfilling. And I could not, I don't think, be somewhere where I was just step, you know, in the status quo of it. Yeah, like, well, I mean, that's kind of how I, I lived in D.C. for three years. And, it, you know, it's like D.C., you know, it it happens to you. I didn't impact D.C. in any way. Right. I mean, D.C., it's a machine. It's a bubble. It's a snow globe. You live in this world. Everybody's working, doing this. But then it's like, I, you know, after three years of I was like, man, I'm, I'm just like burnt out of this. Like, I'm not even impacting it. But like that's the other attraction to West Virginia small business. When I speak to fellow entrepreneurs in West Virginia is that you I mean, it, it, or not even just business entrepreneurship organizations. And that's part of the reason why we feel like we've built Mountaineer Media um, is that you can ha you can see the impact that you can have. If, if you're like remove money from the situation, if you just if you're interested in solving complex problems, there's plenty of them in West Virginia, right? Plenty of complex problems that we have to solve. But your work here can go a long way and it feels a little bit more. Maybe we're biased. We're all biased. If you're from here, that it feels different. Our people appreciate it more. But it does. It feels like you, that that delta of change. You can watch it go from like six people served in the community and now 85 people a month are being helped with xyz or something like that so that that's my appeal to west virginia is that it's a playground for business i mean it's a tourism playground of course but it's also 
if you're in the problem solving business with tech and innovation and humanity, I think West Virginia is a wonderful place to do it because of all the kind of reasons that we outline. Yeah, I love that. Like DC happens to you. That's so that's such an interesting way to say it. But like, if you're cool with that, right, then that's right. And mm-hmm. it's an experience, like not knocking anyone that that right. enjoys that. But if you're to me, what's the phrase? If as long as we're here, we might as well make it better or something like, I like that's that. why we're here. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, well, you've put yourself in a position to help too, right? Not mm-hmm. that you weren't previously doing that, but you yourself have just continued to strive to be in the best position possible to help as many people as possible. And you just have continually done that. And here you are. No wonder it's been fulfilling. And no wonder you feel like you're impacting people. It's because you've just continued to want to put yourself in those positions. And here again, you are in one of those positions now. So. Be the yeah, change you want to cool. see. It's like another, maybe one that embodies yeah. it. Yeah, it's a cool opportunity. And like, by the way, I think West Virginia is made up of that, right? Like so many people yeah, in West definitely. Virginia are in that, in that same place. Every time we um, are able to hire a new position, just people from all over the state, just, they just feel the mission, right? Like yeah. it mm-hmm. speaks to them. And that's another thing we see. Like it's not just, you know, our, our like core demographic is, 18 to 40, but talk to anybody at Kroger, right? They're going to say like, oh yeah. yeah, my granddaughter had to leave, right? She's in right. Raleigh now or something. And, you know, it, there's so many people that this mission speaks to. So I think that's a pretty cool thing too. It's like, it's for all of us. It, it impacts everybody. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, think about it. if in that core age demographic of 18 to 40, but then if you had to leave the state and we have an elderly population, what if your parents are aging in West Virginia? It's like, shit, I got to go to like Charlotte to get a job, but I'd like to, my parents are 78 and 79. Like I'd like to be home to be able to stay with them. Well then boom, like th- that's an example of how it impacts just a broad spectrum of literally everybody in the state um, from that example. But I mean, when you're having these conversations with young people and they're talking to you guys about their their goals or aspirations or the pros and cons of moving somewhere, like what are some of the things that are coming up? Or let me see how I phrase this. Like what are the critical issues that maybe you feel are not getting enough public attention? Or like what are people bringing up to you when they have hesitance, he- like they're hesitate to come to West Virginia? Or like um, what, are, what are those conversations like when you're talking with new young people coming to the state? Yeah, so so one thing that's newer, um, just because of the world we live in now, is um, w- it doesn't matter now as much that the cost of living is low in West Virginia. And that's something that uh, we're all grappling with that, you know, employers are having to scale salaries very quickly to be competitive now because people can work for a company in D.C. or California from their laptop uh, in Morgantown. And so it's like, well, you know, employers have to like pivot quickly to be able to have more competitive salaries. And so we're seeing a lot of young people say, you know, if um, I can get that salary here in West Virginia, or I can just work for a company like across the river or, um, you know, in my living room, it's not competitive anymore. Right. And so that's, I think, a challenge that think a lot of companies are rising to the occasion and it's also it's real it's happening right now um we also see young people say like kind of what we were talking about earlier that if there's no opportunity for advancement and it's not really what they're not talking about money they're talking about advancement in terms of like growth and experience and feeling connected to the work that's become so much more important 
to, mm-hmm. to younger generations. Um, and so as that need increases and companies are, again, are like having to respond to that in real time, a lot of small companies can't create like an entire new professional development program uh, right. for their for their staff. And so we're, again, like responding to that with our fellowship program, really working with, you know, companies all across the state in, you know, if you have a person in your, in your staff that you want, that wants more, wants to grow, you want them to stay at your company, you want them to stay in the state. We have this year long program where we like take people all around the state, they could experience different areas in the state, they likely have not had the opportunity to do with peers, and learn from really cool people that are doing great stuff in this state. Um, and they get professional development experience, like a lot of really great training in that program too. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to kind of, we've retooled that program, we're relaunching it in the spring, but I think that really speaks to a need. Yeah. Maybe even dive into that a little bit. I mean, how do you, how do you determine what it is that people want? I mean, is it just, it just it, over time, you just kind of figure it out, I guess? Yeah, it's over time. So, so this program launched uh, five years ago and mm-hmm. since then it's been, um, you know, really focused on it, employers finding young people for open roles and then once they were in that role the benefit was and like and we will help with kind of like the onboarding in a way with this professional development support and this this year-long program and then um it you know it was working kind of and then we realized that you know while it was really great we couldn't scale it or we couldn't support more people because it was dependent on when employers were hiring mm-hmm. um to do this program once a year so we were like okay we need to support more people getting good jobs so that's why we've launch this career connector program that mm-hmm. takes that piece of the program. And then we have all of these people saying, I already have a job, but like, I want to do this program, right? I need this. I want this professional development. And we have employers saying, oh, I don't have an open job, but I have all these people at my company. I'd love for them to go through the program. Um, and we pulled them and want to know what they need to know. And that like, what, what are employers mm-hmm. seeing that are gaps that young people don't have, right? And what are young people saying they want to grow? Um, and so we've built this curriculum based around based around those types of questions. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fascinating. Cause I just, I literally just saw, I can't give credit for the thought and I'm going to probably butcher the regurgitation of it, but that Simon Sink gentleman who I think is just like a philosopher at this point. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just see him on the internet, like rifting off like wonderful tidbits, but like he spoke about like COVID has changed a little bit about our relationship with work to where now it's like, we almost see our coworkers because we almost got to see each other go through this monumental world changing event we get a little bit closer to them in a way that almost felt like now they're like friends kind of, because it almost kind of like we could all like set aside our work and like, Oh shit. Like we're all, we're all going through something crazy right now. Like, well, you know, we're having to zoom each other. I've never even seen this person in this part of the like company. But the challenge that that brings up is that now, especially it's a, maybe a generational thing is that young people, we view our employer a little bit more holistically than maybe past generations of like, I come to work, you're going to pay me nine to five. I'm going to get a pension. I'm going to retire. And quite honestly, you know, the social security, I'm going to drop dead by 62. That's just kind of how, unfortunately, 50, 60 years worth of American employment worked. Now it's like, I want to resonate with my, like with my coworkers. I want to have like a mental support system. I want to have a professional development system. I want to like, like them, enjoy them. I also want to grow professionally and I want to get paid decent. That almost, and his argument was that almost might, might be too much to bestow on an employer. They, and first of all, for a small business to be that thing for all of their employees, all of those social functions. Uh, you've just sent me that because that's exactly right. That's what we're, 
we're but that's the gap that you're filling almost. It's like yeah. that that's like a thing that employers can't do all themselves. But that's almost like how I see you all. And I hope like I hope I was hoping that resonated. I hope I explained that well. But like that's oh, to me yeah. like a gap that's being filled because of a generational and societal change of the way we view employment and what we expect from our employer. Exactly. You know, I, um, we talked to an HR professional recently who said now it the, just in the last year or two, the interview, half of the interview time is taken up by the candidate interviewing the company, right? Like they, there has to be um, kind of like a mutual respect there and a feeling that you're getting something more out of just like punching the clock. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, you're right. Like it, it almost does feel like sometimes, right? An employer should have a great environment for an employee and employers, like they're just like minimum things, of course they should have. But if you are a small company and you have, I don't know, 20 employees, he might be right. It, it might be like near impossible to launch a professional development program or some type of, you know, support system for your company um, while you're also trying to keep your doors open. So yeah, we're, I hope that we are that for companies. And I hope that, that this program continues to grow because I can speak from, from personal experience, like back when I was in that space, sitting in a cubicle, like I would have killed for a program like that. Um, and I talked to employers who are saying, Oh my gosh, like, as soon as it launches, right? I have a list of people. Like, so I really hope that it it does resonate for people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'll send you that. I literally watched that TikTok this morning. Man, it's funny how the world works. It's like it's the same, like the sound and the sound, a lot of the same things we're speaking about. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, networking. I mean, like, not to bring up a, something I did, but like, I, I did a TED talk, a TEDx talk on the power of networking. Um, I, you know, I, I deeply, deeply believe in the fundamental concepts of, of having a developed network. Not only, long story short, it like saved my life. Had a brain tumor. Networking saved my life. Yeah, I'll brush over that very quickly. We can dive into that later. Wow, just um, give us a little taste of that. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go down that wormhole. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go down that. But like, I, I feel like the, I mean, and so it's been a core function of my life. And some of the things that we're trying to do with these live events is to maybe like we did one at Fife Street Brewing. It's like, like, like in the state feels like it like would be very receptive of kind of like that young professional kind of meetup, kind of like honestly like practice college students kind of like try to find a a collaborating partner to do these type of events to get people out of their house to get them out interacting shaking hands maybe a new business partnership happens at one of our events maybe a new college kid gets introduced to a hiring manager like it feels like we're trying to breathe that energy into the state of um the facilitator of those type of interactions if we can on on whatever basis that we can so that's it's maybe we'll have to we can team up with you on that because that's something that i think our events we try to embody that as, hey, if you're moving and shaking in West Virginia, we want you to come out, meet people, shake hands and try to collaborate with one another. I love that. You know, we had a program um, called the Local Generations that was great. It was co- like in the spirit of that, like how can we get young people together um, and in various areas around the state? The problem was capacity, right? So right. there were board meetings that they had these board meetings monthly and they try to coordinate events and we would help coordinate the events. And um, it got hard, right? People got busy and you couldn't, sure. we were co- like kind of coming in and trying to facilitate stuff, but we didn't live in that community. So it felt a little weird. And um, I think though, if there is that facilitation piece, like y'all are talking about, I think there is absolutely a gap and there are young people who, who want it. Um, mm. I think Char- Charleston has a good group. A lot of, a lot of communities around the state have this really mm. like strong group of people that want to be engaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all good work all around. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool to see you all like touch on some stuff that you've seen gaps into. Right. And you're already problem solving and, and jumping in. And I think that's just really, really cool, really admirable stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just it, with the feeling of like, you know, if not us, then who? I mean, it's just like, why not create that? And West Virginia, you know, John Chambers calls it the startup state. You know, Brad Smith, he's been, a, I think, a mentor for everyone, I think, in just a public sense of like, of dreaming big. And, uh, you know, you see these folks that have done these like wildly you know, accomplished things. They've run Fortune 500 companies, but then like that West Virginia still sticks within them. And it's like, you know, hey, look, if we can do something that inspires somebody else to do a little something, then that the butterfly effect of that could be tremendous. Um, and and it feels like... That- Sorry to interrupt. No, I'm please. excited about. Did you What's see here? the the Huey Mac song that came out? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. I didn't yeah, even right? know Huey Mac was from West Virginia. Like, but I you really knew didn't. who he was? I knew who he was, but did not know that he was from West Virginia. I did. That was pretty neat. He'd always, he'd always had a couple of West Virginia references in his songs, but I really had no idea. And then that video was very cool. Yeah. He's from Morgantown. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It makes me like cry. Cause I just think it's so cool that like, that's who we are as a state, right? That there's somebody that's making music and like, that's what's in his heart. It's like mm-hmm. always thinking on. about coming back. Yeah. I just think that that's so cool. So yeah. Yeah. Alex, I like to, do it anywhere you can do it here so i'd like to end it on a like an optimistic note what are you optimistic about when it comes to west virginia professionally and personally what's on your radar what are you looking forward to we're, in, we're ending 2022 it's going by quick 2023 you, you kind of set any vision big goals like what's on your mind wow um yeah i mean i think that we are rising to the occasion like i think um for a while it felt like we were stuck kind of, right? Like all this federal money was happening, all these, like so much movement was happening. And I think recently um, it feels much clearer that we've kind of, be, we've got back on our game and we're ready to, to move forward. So that, I, I see that like just as a state, like holistically, I see that happening everywhere. And that's really great. Um, I think there's a lot of like buy-in about the future. Um, mm-hmm. I think organizationally, like we are, I think retooling and launching some of these programs um, in a way that is again like very responsive to what people need whether you're an employer whether you're a person that like needs a career you know like right. the fact that to, like the coolest thing that's happened recently is we're able to offer a need-based living stipend of $11 an hour for 35 hours of work to go through a training program and then after you're trained you have like very high like 86% placement rate within 6 months of making holy crap yeah, forty. Repeat that again. All right, G- generation. All right, so that's important. If people listen to this. Generationwestvirginia.org. But repeat that again. If you're a young person listening to this, you feel you don't know what to do. They're going to pay you to get trained. So yeah, okay. Like also, I'm glad we're talking about this because people will call and be like, "Is this a scam?" <laughs> it is not a scam. So it is a six <laughs> a month program, nine to five, Monday through Friday for for the six months, and it's a full stack computer development program. Um, so you don't have to know anything about coding at all. Um, and if you're accepted in the program, which is, it's a competitive part, we, we only take 40 annually, so 20 each, every six months. Um, if you're accepted into the program, we have a need dates living stipend of $11 an hour, um, to go through the program with that, that stipend's new. Um, we got a department of labor grant to support that, um, which will really help people, right? Like a lot of people have said, I can't go through this program. I can't, how am I going to like pay my, yeah, pay my bills, like pay my family. And so this program will help support that for people. Um, 
And within, so in the last cohort, we have 100% placement rate, but overall in the whole life of the, of the program, 86% placement rate within six months and the starting salary in that first job right out of training is $48,000 average. Um, and again, like we're seeing that tick up quite a bit as well. And we're seeing after a couple years of training, way like in the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, that is yeah, amazing. Yeah, that is huge. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Cool program. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, what that's doing. happening soon. And I like hope that it resonates with people. And I hope that they understand that like, you don't have to move to find a good job. Like you can live in the community you love and find this training program. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Generation well, West Virginia dot yeah. org. Go to it. If you're listening, go to it right now. Yeah. Hopefully this Follow. was, you know, this, this spotlighted you guys for several people and, you know, brought this into somebody's life that uh, hopefully it, it can help them in some way. We're helping people every day, hopefully continues to, to do so. And uh, if we can connect somebody with you guys, that would be great. But um, yeah, I so appreciate this. You. Yeah, very much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. This is a really cool thing. Thank you, Alex. Absolutely.